0: Welcome to this week's episode of the HS Health Tech Podcast. My name's James, one of the founders of HS, and with me this week, I've got Sina Habibi, who is founder and CEO of health tech company Cognitivity. Before I tell you a bit more about Sina, remember that you can get in touch with us at HS Venture on Twitter, and hs.ventures on instagram so feel free to message us drop a comment tell us what you think about the podcast and ask us any questions that you've got we're also at info at hs.live so on to cena uh, so he's a fascinating guy his father's actually a neurosurgeon And he was one of those frustrated academics that didn't want to just sort of publish the next research paper. He was just really keen on actually making an impact and driving through a solution to an actual problem. So that led him to finding a co-founder, finding a problem to solve, um, and they did that in the dementia space. And what they've managed to do is essentially create a brand new way of measuring the early onset of dementia. And it uses something called image cognition, which is the human ability to recognize images quickly against the database that we store in our brains. So the idea being that when you get dementia, that starts to break down very early on. So you can really pick up dementia quite early. And they're using that in a with AI machine learning in a really interesting way. So they're solving the problem of too many people getting referred for memory problems because understandably when people start forgetting things they panic and they they go to the gp and they might get referred so lots and lots and lots of people are getting referred for dementia and there's no real way other than the current standard which is memory tests of really seeing who really needs these longer more expensive tests and what they've managed to do is, is figure out that their test can be used as like a triage system so it's fascinating when you hear them talk about how they really got into understand the problem. And there's a, a lot of good lessons for health tech entrepreneurs in, in how to really understand and, and immerse yourself in the problem to come up with a solution, um, within the health tech pathways. So fascinating podcast. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Uh, hi, thank you. I'm very good. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Awesome. Whereabouts are you based, Tina?
1: We are based in Chancery Lane, uh, London.
0: Oh, lovely. Just down the road. Excellent. Cool. So, Sina, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us your story?
1: Okay. Uh, So, Sina Habibi here. I am co-founder and CEO of Cognitivity Neurosciences. Spin out from Cambridge University, six year and something old. We started 10th of April, 2013 try to put together latest neuroscience and artificial intelligence in order to detect mental health disorders, uh, in particular Alzheimer's and dementia, but we're not limited to uh, that uh, particular disorder. We've got some fascinating data on other diseases that we will develop in the future.
0: Cool, Susina, so how did you get involved in this? I mean, what's your kind of background and, and what led you to eventually getting into this field?
1: so it's a, it's a funny story i was uh, about to finish my phd and i realized that i'm not really made for the world of academia uh, i was a little bit fed up with the pace of academia and also the output. so in my mind uh, you do a lot of work after three four years uh, the outcome is going to be a paper read by another 10 peers and uh, it's going to be parked somewhere and uh, you continue repeating that. I wanted to see um, something more tangible and something faster paced, if you like. So uh, I joined a society called Cambridge University Entrepreneurs uh, by second year of my PhD, which was in uh, nanobiotech, not exactly uh, neuroscience not exactly artificial intelligence, but I was doing a lot of Mathematical modeling and uh, coding, which then came uh, handy. So, when I was at Q, I quickly became the president of Q because of my enthusiasm for the world of ventures. Uh, In parentheses for uh, Q, Cambridge University Entrepreneurs, it's a small society, fully student run, fully student financed. And uh, we like to tell uh, people that over the last 10, 15 years, um, we have spinned out over 30 companies and they are in total valued over half a billion pounds, which is quite an achievement for a for small uh, student society. So when I was uh, at Q, I met my co-founder and he asked me, Um, what I'm gonna do when I'm done with my PhD, I told him I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. Uh, And his response was, what is an entrepreneur? (laughs) Uh, So I told him, so if you've got uh, an idea, uh, normally uh, the pathway is that you collect some data, you prove your idea, and then you publish a paper in, in the world of academia. But if you've got an idea in the world of ventures and entrepreneurship, You uh, first try to protect that idea by uh, filing for a patent. Then you gather evidence to show that it works. And then you, if it works, then you build a company around it. So he went away and a few weeks later gave me a call and he said that he's got an idea that he thinks it could be uh, an idea that we can patent and build a company around it. So we met and he showed me that he's basically, he's a neuroscientist. And his um, research, he was a PhD as well, uh, his research was, in, uh, was understanding human vision and how it works. Because computers can do a lot of things better than us, but vision it's, is not one of those. That's why in CAPTCHA, you have a distorted image of a traffic light uh, or a road sign, and you have to pick uh, robots or bots, or computers cannot recognize those but human, uh, human can do. So he was working on human vision to understand how it works and why human vision is a lot more intuitive and effective comparing to uh, computers. And there he had wrote a very simple code, uh, a simple test, if you like, like like a game. And he could see that there is a very good correlation uh, between uh, what uh, people score and their age. This is on young population. And be, this is very interesting. Uh, it's probably a nature uh, publication material, but do you think we can we can build a company around this? So I went off and did a little bit of research, and the first thing which was quite staggering was our uh, rate of diagnosis in dementia. The, the disease is massively underdiagnosed and late diagnosed. Uh, the first uh, basically Google search showed me one in two people never receive diagnosis until death. And we're talking about United Kingdom and United States, the most advanced healthcare systems in the world. If you move to poorer countries, uh, this rate goes to nine in 10. And uh, as you know, the major risk factor of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's is age. So you put two and two together and said, okay, we might be able to detect dementia with this Uh, This was just the beginning of the story because uh, when you have uh, something with clinical application, you have to have clinical data and evidence. But uh, no one uh, will uh, let you uh, try your hypothesis on patients unless you have some data to prove that it works. So it's a vicious cycle. Um, And that was when I uh, called my father, who is a neurosurgeon. And for him, medicine is the only science uh, or is the only answer to all the problems. And he always used to uh, introduce me to his friends as my son who's gonna be a doctor, but not one of those who helps people. So I called him and said like, Dad, you remember um, you uh, always introduced me like this. I might have something that can help people. Can you help us get some data and see if it works? and uh, he agreed so we collected probably 20 30 uh, data points and the result was really encouraging and that was the beginning of our journey six years forward now we've got a lot of clinical data uh, mostly 95 percent of it on alzheimer's and dementia but um, five percent on other conditions um, that we have actually explored, and again, we've got very good very good data on that. We are uh, running our final validation trial. Um, this is run by an independent um, body, uh, South London and mostly Hospital, in order for us to be able to certify the product as uh, a CE-marked product, so we can uh, put it on the market.
0: Wow, I mean, there's so, there's so much I wanna ask you here. So, let me start by asking you about the product specifically. So you've obviously talked quite a lot about the, the research that you're doing. So within that, what, what actually are the data points that you're collecting and what's the correlation that you're seeing and what's the co- correlation that you're looking for, first of all, and then talk me through how that translates to an actual product and tell me about the product.
1: Uh, very good question. So, uh, the test is a cognitive test. Uh, it takes five minutes. And if you look at the space, uh, most of cognitive tests we have are uh, based on memory. Our hypothesis at the time was that by the time memory is affected heavily uh, in order for cognitive tests to pick this up uh, memory based cognitive test it 's already too late and our hypothesis was that uh, human vision and understand uh, human we call it image cognition or the ability of brain to understand what's inside an image is a more sensitive um, cognitive function that, uh, that we, can, we can focus on. And the idea was to isolate and factor out memory because memory is very, very complicated. So uh, the test is, um, is a five minutes test Uh, It's basically uh, shows uh, images for very short time. Uh, It's like a flash of an image on the screen and pictures either have a picture of animal inside or not. And the subjects are supposed to respond as soon as possible and as accurate as possible, whether they've seen an animal inside the image. And they see around 100 images, each image is different Uh, to the other ones. We play with lots of factors, lots of different characteristics of image. Uh, But to put it simply, um, some of the images are more difficult than the other ones. And it takes longer time for brain to analyze a complicated uh, image with lots of information comparing to a shorter image, uh, to a a simpler image. And with this, we build the profile of responses of the subject uh and then we we use our artificial intelligence algorithm in order to compare that performance with all the historical data we have and uh with that we can say whether someone has behaved during the test similar to one to a person with uh with a condition or someone who is healthy
0: so I i found that really interesting so image cognition is sensitive then for predicting dementia so what you're trying to essentially do is factor out what we're doing right now which is trying to use memory as an indicator because it's it's just i guess such a uh, complicated and i guess unclean um data point so in order to do that then you're you're giving these flashes of images so plus or minus animals in them and then you've got to sort of say very quickly um if you can um whether it's got an animal in or not and then the so the speed and the ability to recognize whether that picture's got an animal lot will decrease as the early onset of dementia takes place. Have I got that right?
1: Absolutely. Perfect. So,
0: so, so that's really interesting. And, so, and the, re- the reason that's interesting to me is that having been through medical school and having treated patients with dementia, the, the, the phrase image cognition is new to me. So was this a hypothesis that you guys created and that you are now proving? Are you sort of pioneering a field or is this something that has actually been going on in the research field?
1: Image cognition was a concept already. Uh, So um, there's a particular part of brain that we call it visual cortex, back of your brain. That's the part that decodify what you see in form of images for the brain to understand what's inside. When you look around yourself, your eyes work like a camera, constantly taking pictures. Those pictures are then sent to the back, the the, the signals are then sent to the back of your brain, whereby they are broken down to the uh, language of the brain that understands what's inside. And then your hippocampus works like your CPU and start comparing what you've seen to all the pictures that you've had before, in order to classify and to categorize those pictures to the ones that there, there is animal or there is no animal inside. The whole yeah. process is very quick and uh, gets key and large parts of the brain, brain from visual to visual cortex to motor cortex and hippocamp all activated. And that's why it becomes a much more uh, sensitive um, criteria. But this is interesting as well, that when we started, we had a hypothesis that visual cortex is an earliest earlier part of the brain affected uh, by this um, disease. Uh, six years down the line today, lots of different research centers in the world are coming back uh, with the same conclusion that they see the progression of the disease starting from uh, the visual cortex a part of the brain. So
0: you guys were really at the sort of the forefront of that thinking.
1: Yes. I think we got lucky with that one.
0: Cool. So let's move on then. So how does that research and that hypothesis then turn into the product?
1: Oh, this is, uh, this was actually the hardest part. Uh, with, with the early uh, data, we knew we've got something uh, very, very cool and very interesting, but uh, wow. to, Build it to a product it was it was a lot of work. Uh, first of all, this is going to be a medical device um, so it 's not a consumer product it 's a product used in the clinics by the clinicians for clinical applications. Hence, it needs to have a regulatory approval and that 's uh, that 's a hard and long and expensive process. so
0: just to to jump in there for a second so so was that a conscious decision then was it a conscious decision to um to choose that it was going to be used by clinicians and and actually not going b2c because you know things that i've seen in in the market you know there's things like sequest hero which you might be aware of you know the the game that did sort of go b2c in order to collect loads and loads of data about people's spatial awareness and then they use that to then sort of cognitive decline and they sort of did that on mass because they got so much data because they went b to c you know fair enough it wasn't actually a, a treatment um as such it was more just a almost like a data collection tool but that was you know conscious route by them to to go and do that whereas you've picked the other route and you've gone okay let's actually go completely medical here it was so i'm mean, just i'm just interested in that kind of decision making because you could have I suppose, gone straight B2C and made it a consumer product. And that might still be part of the plan in future, I suppose. But I guess you've you know, you've, you've gone down this route of, of going clinical first, possibly for credibility or another reason. But no, do explain that?
1: You're absolutely right. That was exactly our uh, line of thinking. When we looked at uh, the space, there was lots of stuff, uh, lots of cognitive monitoring and enhancements. Uh, on Apple Store and, and other other uh, places, and we felt that okay, we're going to be diluted in lots of noise, yeah. and uh, people won't people would, would consider us uh, as another IQ test or uh, brain tra- brain game uh, without understanding the significance of the science behind this. So we uh, said okay, we are going to make this a clinical product used by clinicians who are the reference points in this space. And when clinicians use this, it's gonna be a lot easier uh, sell to consumers yeah. um, who are not qualified to understand the space of medicine, uh, but they, at, they look at uh, those references and, and, and see if, if, if this is a product used by my doctor. Uh, in order uh, to assess my cognitive ability, uh, I can do uh, that as well. And that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, recently, we are uh, we've started developing this uh, B2C product, uh, which is uh, more on the health side, and it's not targeting people with dementia or at risk of dementia. This is targeted at people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to improve their mental health and they want to monitor the mental health and they want to see what steps they can take in order to have a better mental health. So we've taken all the medical and clinical claims out of that, uh, that uh, clinical product and made it uh, a, a mental health product which is going to be for a different demographic with a different application, but again, using the same underlying technology. Mm. However, with the difference that this is now being used in some of the biggest uh, uh, memory clinics and uh, hospitals in the country. Uh, So it's a different, different, different cell, different, different um, proposition, if you like.
0: I think you've explained that very well. And I think there is a there is a good lesson for health tech entrepreneurs here because one of the questions that I do get asked quite a lot is, you know, should we go the B2C route or should we go the more clinical route and the evidence route and things like that? But it's I I've seen this so often that the winners are the people like like Sleepier, you know, Pete Ames, we had on this on this podcast, you know, who went heavily towards getting the the research behind what he was doing and, and tying it all in on that level so that then when it does reach the consumer, it's just got so much more behind it. As you say, it's just such a competitive advantage to say that you've got this huge level of evidence behind you and it's still available to the consumer. So immediately you're just that step above and, and just able to proliferate a heck of a lot more. Absolutely. Do you know Sequest Hero? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it?
1: It's very clever, and uh, we'd like still we want to see more.
0: You're a born innovator, though, aren't you? You're a born entrepreneur. So you, you that that's exactly what you sort of said before, and I, I wrote down actually when you when you were talking the word impact driven, and that's exactly what what you are, isn't it? You you're a solutions based guy. You're you, you want to get out of that kind of that research environment and just collecting things for the sake of collecting things. You just want to turn it into a solution, which I think is awesome. Um, so i so i'm interested then so we've we've now got to the stage in the story where we've got the product um it's in clinics it's collecting um it's collecting data so yeah how does that how let's say that then how does it turn into the solution so is it picking up dementia early is it you know what happens to their treatment after that you know how how is this helping people
1: uh this is a very interesting question so uh, we know we can do a lot, and coming back to the same point of what's the end point, what's the, what's, what's the end product here. So we know we can do a lot uh, with this product. We can do it earlier, we can do it more specific, we can more, do it more sensitive. Uh, but in order to maximize the adoption by uh, the, the, the providers and users, you have to solve the problem they have on day to day-to-day to day basis So um, when you look at the referrals, um, we had uh, a few years ago, David Cameron had this initiative in order to increase our diagnostic rates. Um, He incentivized GPs for more referrals. So every referral they make, they get 45 pounds. Uh, And uh, that was not a very wise plan because (laughs) they had budget for that 45 pounds extra referrals but they had not planned for a massive increase in number of uh, referrals uh, and the massive increase in the budget in secondary care to assess all those people who are being referred and we looked at some audit reports of uh, different memory clinics and it looks like um, regardless of the geographical location our referral rates are almost 50% wrong. And this is because the way it happens today at GP uh, surgeries is that you go there, you are old, you've got lots of different physical issues. By the time it reaches the mental health issues, you've already passed your time. And then you just ask the GP, I think I'm forgetting things. And the GP says, okay, I refer you. Or, um, or if they wanna go extra mile, they take one of these cognitive tests and then they refer you. But basically they refer anyone with memory complaints. But one problem we have with disease is that we have managed to terrify the public over the last 10 years after we have been done with cancer. Uh, we have managed to terrify the public with the, dis- uh, with, with, with the disease. Uh, but not properly informing them. So what has happened is that lots of people, because they're busy and also they get older and they start forgetting things, uh, they get terrified and they keep asking the GPs to be to be to be referred. And uh, they go through the process that okay, first level, you get a referral, but in the UK it costs you around a thousand pounds in and also get some radiation to get some CT scans and all that. Uh, to come out of the system as cleared and not having any issues, uh, we call this a group of people, which probably mostly um, are the ones that uh, cause this error in the system. They're worried. Well, the ones that they are fine, but because they're terrified uh, of the disease, they keep asking. They keep asking the 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 GPs to be referred. While those ones who have the problem they don't talk about it, they hide it, or uh, they don't even know it exists. And they go until very late stage in the disease that one day they wake up and they don't remember the address back home. And you can see the system is completely flooded with the ones that they shouldn't be uh, assessing and the ones uh, that should be assessing but not receiving assessment. And uh, this is where we are uh, at the moment, which is at the crisis level. So. What we said is that let's start with very simple and basic step, let's help the memory clinics to identify the ones that are at GP level Uh, implementing this across the country is gonna be a huge undertaking that we have plans over the next five years to do it. But we're gonna start with memory clinics, we're gonna start uh, giving them a more sensitive tool in order to prioritize those people who have to be seen comparing to the ones that, because they forgot their keys two times, they think they have dementia. And when, again, uh, the same approach is gonna be, okay, this is gonna be products used by the psychiatrists and neurologists of the world. Now we can take it to the GPs and say, rather than just uh, uh, making referrals based on suspicion and not actually uh, actually assessing your patients. Now we're doing this in, in memory clinics, improve the referral rates and, uh, and uh, people who need to be seen and then take it to the uh, primary care and uh, solve the problem of um, wrong referrals. So this is nothing to do with earlier diagnosis where is our biggest, uh, I think, breakthrough, but you've left that aside because the system is so inefficient at the moment that if we want to change everything, uh, we're probably going to fail. So we want to solve the referral problems at the moment without any promise of early diagnosis, the diagnosis that we want today uh, that is not happening. And in the future, with the data that we collect, with the uh, further improvement we make uh, in our AI based on the data that we collect, uh, the plan is to, to bring the diagnosis earlier, hopefully in the, few year, in the years to come, we will have disease-modifying treatments, which makes earlier diagnosis more valuable as well.
0: Oh, I see. How long does the test take, out of interest?
1: So, the test uh, that we detect um, at primary care for those referral rates, it's around five minutes. It's, 100 so images. it's just five minutes.
0: Yeah. So, I think that is a really innovative way to approach the problem. And I think another lesson that I'll pull out for health tech entrepreneurs here is your incredibly deep understanding of the problem. Like you have literally immersed yourself in this world to figure out the minutiae of what the problem actually is. It's not the superficial problem. You've actually gone and understood the the deeper problem here. So you, you even understand, which is what I often have to explain to people, you know, the, the the, the difference of the the problem often of solving a problem in primary care ends up helping people in secondary care or making things worse in secondary care and that's exactly what you've just described you know so that 45 pounds that's going to primary care has not accounted for the extra cost that is then borne by secondary care of all the extra referrals and the pressure on the system and things like that you've got it's such a great understanding of that problem so What that then leads to, so again, my understanding is that this is not a a case of catching things early. What this is, is now going into memory clinics and you're able within a very quick five minute test to essentially triage the people that need to be there and the people that definitely don't need to be there. So as a triage tool for all of the things that the memory clinic then actually goes and needs to do you can then prioritize those more expensive services with a very cheap, quick, easy five-minute test that you're going to do, which is then going to more accurately, I guess, sort through that list and prioritize people, which is going to have an incredible amount of an effect on on the memory clinic because they're going to be able to just shift through the people that they need to, and, and they're going to correct those figures. But then, as you say, quite rightly why not move this then into the community? Why not then move this one stage down into general practice? And then I suppose part of your plan is probably to then move it one stage further straight into the community, either B to C or, or through other community providers, I assume.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think that's the future. Um, you're absolutely right on the first point of, we give a very simple triage uh, tool to uh, the primary care, uh, that this is green, amber, red. If someone scored, uh, this is a score and we, we highlight them that they are at risk, make the referral if they do. Uh, borderline, ask them to come back to test again in a few weeks and if they green, ask them to take the test uh, one year down the line. But when we build this evidence and we, uh, we uh, also gather more and more data, the idea is to bring this back to the community and um today patients our patients are the least utilized assets in in the in the healthcare system the the system is based on a transaction that our patients expect their health and the care to be given back to them in a a form of transaction but in the future with the development that we will have with ai and other advancement in variables etc etc we Uh, Will be able to put patients in the center of their care. They will be the ones that they know where they are, where where their mental health is, if they're doing better or worse in a continuous measurement with micro measurement. As soon as there is deterioration, you can detect it, you can find the underlying reason, you can start attacking it and, and solving it before it becomes a big problem. Uh, and that's uh, that's the future which uh, I'm I'm quite uh, excited for it to come
0: yeah I get it it's cool Um, yeah I'm on board but I'm going to ask you the more difficult questions now so Tell me about the business model because obviously you're going to have to make some money out of this. And when you're talking about selling to, or when you're talking about delivering a service to memory clinics, which is going to help them triage stuff and prioritize things. And then you're talking about moving into primary care and GP practices and then to the community. There's lots of different potential business models here and, I'm, I'm i'm conscious that this is we're talking about certain departments and certain nhs organizations potentially in the uk that might not have the budget in order to to do these things and trial and test these things unless they can see some definitive roi so how are you approaching that how are you approaching what well, i guess first of all who is who? who are the customers and then what are the value propositions for those customers and how are you going to make money out the back of this
1: so in the UK, customers are going to be the CCGs, clinical commissioning groups, that they basically pay uh, for, for, for the services. The first enrollment is going to be at secondary care uh, because of the problem of waiting and wrong referrals that they have. In the future, this will come uh, to, to the primary care. The business model for this test, the five minutes test that tells you if you uh, that basically if you're at risk or if you're not, if you need to be referred, that is going to be charged per test, and uh, it's to save at secondary care that £1,000 uh, extra uh, that they need to pay for someone who should not be test- tested uh, with a more objective and uh, sensitive tool. In primary care, uh, the cost saving will be saving the time of the GP, which is very expensive. And also uh, the part which is at the moment, uh, as I said, uh, those cognitive tests uh, right now, it factors around 15 minutes, depending on which one they use. Uh, we We can provide that with a fraction of the cost. Uh, on the consumer side, we have uh, a very interesting model I'd like to talk about, and I think that's where we go in the future. Is a B two B to C model. Uh, we have um, an agreement with a company uh, which has done a, a very inter- has, has built a very interesting model, uh, whereby they go to insurance companies and payers um, in in a more uh, private. Um, uh, settings, and they tell them that we make your clients cheaper for you by making them healthier. When they use our application, they uh, they become healthier, and over long run, you will save money. Then they go to the customer, the client, the, the the consumer, and they say, if you use the app, uh, the the insurance premium is gonna drop because you become a healthier person. What they do is uh, they ask you to do a little bit more exercise. They monitor your exercise. They try to give you little nudges uh, that can change your behavior um, over time and become uh, healthier. They try to encourage you to to quit smoking and and drink less, uh, so on so forth. And overall, it becomes a more uh, a, a more healthy healthier. Um, um, client for the insurance company. And in the process, both parties will save money at the client by paying less the insurance by having a bit, uh, more healthy uh, client over the long run. And they have a very interesting model uh, for physical health, but they haven't been able to crack the mental health side. And uh, we agreed with them to to provide them with the with the uh, mental health aspect of this, and this is going to move towards a, a more subscription based on uh, on a, on a, a long term basis. Uh, working with insurance companies, this is outside the U, uh, UK and NHS uh, setting
0: good for you um i think the insurer model's great we work with a few insurers here at hs and yeah they're looking to do exactly that they're looking to work with um lots of different startups to sort of build those products into their health insurance and life insurance um policies to as you say decrease premiums because those those people are keeping healthy i know you know people will know vitality do do quite similar things with with technology um very very good model
1: Exactly. So basically, to, to answer the, uh, the, your short question with <laughs> the short answer, we're going to be charged per test uh, to start with primary care, secondary care. And in the meantime, we build the, the consumer model on a subscription basis.
0: Nice. And I can definitely see that working. So, yeah, you raised some money as well, didn't you, quite recently?
1: Uh, Yeah, we opened our uh, financing, um, I think it was beginning uh, of April. We're raising a short, um, a small round um, of 2.5 million. We have uh, closed the first tranche of it, which was uh, 1.2. We are halfway uh, in the second tranche and hoping to complete this uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, so that uh, we can focus on uh, preparation for a commercial launch. We're hoping that we can have the product ready uh, and see marked by um, Q3, and um, and we are uh, putting in place our, all we need to, to, for for the commercial launch. So,
0: yeah, very cool. So, with the commercial launch, then are you are you launching into memory clinics? Is that the first model that yes. you're going for? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Is that in the UK?
1: Uh, Yes, we are. um, uh, We will receive our CE approval before FDA. Uh, We expect FDA to be um, to be at some point in Q1 2020. Uh, However, uh, we are actively um, preparing for our uh, US launch as well. We are uh, running a symposium during. AIC, which is the biggest uh, conference in, in uh, Alzheimer's in Los Angeles in July uh, this year. Uh, this, is whereby, this is where we are going to uh, run a symposium with speakers coming from different angles on early diagnosis and uh, software, uh, an AI role uh, in this space, which I'm quite excited. So we are pushing both uh, fronts um, eagerly. Uh, but, uh, our product in the UK will be launched, uh, probably six months before the U S
0: mm. what's the model like in the U S is, do you have to change it much?
1: Uh, charge per test is going to be the same case, but, yeah. um, it's, um, the way it real work in the U S mostly is going to be through licensing it, uh, to the to the big uh, payers and providers you have yeah. a huge we're not going to be able to knock the door knock every door in the u.s there are uh, people who are already uh, there with all those channels already established over the years so uh we have to go uh, through those um the the, the, the model is going to be a lot more vertical um and uh, the size of the market and the the price per test if you like uh is, uh is a lot bigger so that there is there's more uh share of revenue for all parties involved mm. um, that's why it's basically uh, a little bit more um uh, inflated compared to other healthcare markets yeah uh, they've got patents globally uh so it makes uh, our um our licensing process a lot easier. We've got a very powerful uh, patent plus all the uh, data we have, uh, which helps us uh, having a very, very, pr- very much protected uh, IP position. Um, but uh, if we want to roll this out in China tomorrow, where we have a patent granted, uh, it's going to be uh, very easy and 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 quick because the test is based on images, you have no language uh, and education barrier. Uh, an animal is an animal everywhere in the world, and the test does not require or depend on any sorts of language, education, or culture. So the scalability is there, but uh, for example, the Chinese market we haven't touched yet. Um, there is a trend uh, among the diagnostic companies uh, to get approval, uh, see approval, and then uh, use that as springboard for uh, for FDA approval. And FDA likes that because uh, they really highly uh, rate uh, the regulation uh, regulators uh, in the UK and the, the the quality of research here. So uh, that's a path that other companies had taken before, and we learned it from them.
0: I'm interested then in in the next stage. So obviously you existing in the world of dementia tech, if you can call it such a thing, you must see a lot of things and hear of a lot of things that are helping dementia in a variety of different ways. So obviously you're doing that triage bit really well. So you're identifying the people that need to go um, and get further testing and you're helping prioritise and you're helping, and you're helping a, a load with that sort of ground floor demand issue and, and sorting through all those people and you're correcting a huge problem down at that end. But the next phase is obviously then treating these people that have had dementia diagnosed early or you know sending them for different things and and i'm sure there's lots of things going on in those spheres probably in drug discovery and a few other a few other bits but yeah what's your view on on that side of things like what's out there that's particularly taking your eye at the moment so as we speak
1: over 100 trials are ongoing around the world and some of them at late stages as well so i believe in the coming years, we will have uh, disease-modifying treatments. Uh, I, I think where we were with uh, we, where we are with uh, the Alzheimer's is where we were with, uh, with cancer 15, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, lots of awareness was made, lots of money was poured, and um, and uh, there we go. Today, we, we cure sixty percent of cancer. Um, I think there's going to be two major development in this space. Um, One is going to be uh, working on prevention. Uh, 35% of dementia can be prevented. And this is coming from longitudinal studies uh, and uh, i think we will play a good part in prevention by uh the, the consumer product that we will have for to to, to give people uh, ability to to monitor themselves and see if they're doing better or worse compared to themselves and try to make those changes in their life in order to have a better mental health uh but also uh we are getting involved in uh in trials uh with, with big companies uh working pharma companies that they're looking for uh for treatment One reason that our um, approaches to treatment has failed is because of lack of uh, good um, detection tools and measurement tools. All those memory-based tests have failed us because when you put someone on the course of treatment and repeat the same questions, they probably learn it while uh, the situation is getting worse you think your drugs are working, and that's why lots of drugs fail in very, very late stages. So what we've shown with the test is that the test is not learnable. It's very, very sensitive, and people. We've done this uh, on a, a, in a study on people between age eighteen and thirty-five, and they have not been able to improve their performance and this is a key step that we are going to play in the process of drug discovery and development yeah because
0: you're you're going to then be relevant for clinical trials aren't you because your test being as sensitive as as it is and better than those memory tests that are currently being used to test that that drug efficacy yeah you you could innovate, innovate in clinical trials and that's a that's a fabulous market for you to get into
1: Absolutely, we are actually, we, 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 our test is called ICA, Integrated Cognitive Assessment. So we have a separate product with all those uh, features you need for clinical trials. Uh, there's a separate uh, product that uh, we have developed, particularly for this uh, purpose. And uh, we, we believe we are going to play an important role there. Something which was missing over these years was a sensitive tool which is not learnable whereby you can differentiate the impact of the drugs from uh from the test itself
0: so you know i've learned a heck of a lot about dementia today and 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 everything that you're doing sounds very feasible i don't like to get too excited about these things but um it seems like it could work I i think the yeah the the your, your your deep understanding of the problem impresses me. I, I really like that of of startups that I speak to. I really like people that have gone into a, such a complicated world of, of how NHS and private organizations and consumers all interact with each other and people are trying to pay with budgets that cross different boundaries and different things. But you've got a very good grasp of the situation to the point where you've changed the I guess the, you've almost changed the the problem which you're trying to solve because of all the information that you've gained. And I really like that. I really like where your test fits in. I like the potential of it. And I think it's got so many different applications. As I said, for the clinical trials, it's got a B2C application where people are just interested to see if they do match up to a, to a standard of, of cognition and they could track their own decline and clinicians could do that too. And I can see how those different things could, could, um, fit together to, to form a new paradigm essentially for, for testing dementia, which I think is incredibly exciting. So, yeah congratulations to you for everything that you've done so far um i wish you all the best with the with with raising the money um and and for you continue working in in the space i think it's fabulous so i mean the 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 way that we close out these podcasts is we, we normally hand back over to you to kind of summarize a little bit about yourself a little bit about what you're doing at the company um and then tell us if you've got any asks of our audience
1: uh, thank you. for uh, First of all, thank you very much for, um, for, for the opportunity uh, to, uh, for us to, to tell you our story. Um, yes, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think uh, one uh, advice I normally go back to, to Cambridge uh, uh, once in a while and talk to other Cambridge University entrepreneurs, of future to be entrepreneurs. And the first thing I tell them is to get out there and see your customers, see your users, find out what they do and be with them. Just don't listen. Sometimes be with them, look at them, how they do things and learn from that. That's what we've done. And I think uh, we're very proud of it from day one. uh, When we had something, uh, we call it a scientific, um, I think, breakthrough, we didn't stay there. We didn't want to uh, just publish uh, or, or have a have an interesting you know uh, innovation we just got out there talked to gps talked to psychiatrists and actually went there saw how they do it and try to see what's uh the best fit uh last but not least i keep coming back to uh the the, the the point i mentioned earlier uh that where we are with dementia in my opinion is where we were with uh, with uh cancer 15 20 years ago and future is bright. We will, uh, we will defeat dementia uh, soon. And I'm, I'm confident.
0: Good for you. And if people want to get in touch with you um, and learn a bit more about what you're up to, um, what's your website and who can they email?
1: The website is uh, www.cognitivity.com and uh, you can send us emails uh, on, on info at cognitivity.com. And there's plenty of material out there. There's our publication there. I, uh, I uh, encourage if people are interested to, to look at our uh, news and publication uh, page. Uh, lots of material, but we're happy uh, to talk to people. We want to engage with the community who's interested in this space. It doesn't matter in what... Um, Uh, shape or capacity uh, because it's uh, we know that we are one of the players in the space and we all have to work together in order to defeat dementia so get in touch uh, and uh, if you uh, if you want to know more or if you have something that we can work together uh, we always love to hear uh, and uh, uh, and ready to uh, listen.
0: Sina it's been a pleasure thank you very much
1: time here, James. Thank you very much.